Hey there, you're with Disembodied Podcast. This is Evie Escher. So we took a little respite for two weeks from the podcast, and um, I spent some time in Ireland, which was beautiful. Picked up a little cold there as I was leaving, which is a shame. And somebody in Ireland recommended at a holistic health shop that I try wheatgrass powder. So I'm now drinking wheatgrass and water, hoping to up my immunity. We'll see how that works. At any rate, the guest this week is Donna Conley, and it was important for Donna to become an advocate for mental health, so she developed an integrated approach to teach people to discover who they are and what they want and how to love and accept themselves so they can live better. She started off as an energy coach, a blogger, a podcaster, and also wrote a book called Wild Moon Healing while she was working full-time in the corporate world. Donna's goal is to create a full-time career around helping to remove the stigma of mental health and to normalize loving, committing, believing, and respecting yourself. Since Donna has had a career in human resources for 20 years, she has professionally touched the lives of many people throughout her career. So she is a trauma-informed energy coach with a coaching certification through Duke's DHWCT program. And she's a Reiki practitioner to boot. She's also certified in sound healing, breath work, and is a certified meditation teacher. Yay, meditation. Donna uses all of these healing modalities in her coaching. So we're going to talk about her lunar work, basically using lunar cycles as a tool for your own transformation. I like how easily anyone can add this practice of manifesting with lunar cycles into their life. It's not overly complicated and you can track your progress over time. Wild moon healing, according to Donna, can be whatever you need it to be. It can be a wellness practice, a healing therapy, a self-discovery journey, a spiritual pursuit, a psychological process, a religious awakening, a time management tool, or a habit-breaking model. A bad habit-breaking model, that is. And Donna has a second book out now as well. It was just released, and that is called Wild Moon Healing Revolution. So, sit tight. We're just about to get started. Donna, welcome to Disembodied Podcast. It's great to have you. Thank you, Evie, for having me. Yeah, I'm excited to hear about the work you do with the moon. You're into kind of utilizing lunar energy. And, you know, we've talked a lot about moon signs in the context of astrology and stuff on the podcast, but I don't know that we've talked extensively about utilizing the moon's energy. So first of all, like, how did you get pointed in that direction? Because it seems like there must have been a buildup of you doing other things before that. Yeah, there is. I had lived my life in a state of depression, undiagnosed, um, lived in grief, you know, that I had never released. And these are things that I've learned about myself since I started doing my moon work. But I just got to a point in my life where I was absolutely miserable. I didn't like anything that I was doing that I, you know, just everything had to change. My physical health was like the forefront 
of my life at the time. You know, I had just done so much drinking and other things that just my body was like, what are you doing to me? And as I was trying to work through all of these things that have built up for 40 years, right, then my journey took a spiritual turn that I didn't see coming. And I realized I had to heal from the inside out, not just physically, but emotionally, mentally, and spiritually. You know, it's been a long road. Physically, I'm having back surgery next month. So I'm still on oh. that, that healing journey. But yeah, when it, when it took a spiritual turn and something about the moon has always captivated me. I love to be on a, a trail hiking and just to see the moon, especially in the mountains. It always seems like it's closer to me for some reason. I just started tuning into doing specific things at certain phases of the moon because everybody notices a full moon. And once I really started getting a program down for myself and just really started this turned into a daily practice, but all month long of doing different things from different perspectives. Eventually my friends were like, okay, I don't know what you're doing, but we, we want to hear about this. And I said, well, I'm manifesting with the moon. And, you know, of course I expected them to look at me like I had two heads and they did, <laughs> but they were like, okay, tell us about this because there's such a change in you we want to jump on this bandwagon as well. So I started doing what I call moon reports every month and teaching them about this is what the energy of this moon is all about, but also other a lot of other things as I was coming up with my own theories and, and such like I call restorative theory and stuff in my book. And what I didn't know at the time was that all of these moon reports were becoming a rough draft for my book, Wild Moon Healing. Okay, so... Was it just kind of like getting in touch with what part of you you needed to work on each day or each week? I mean, were you kind of like systematically going through parts of yourself? Yes, I realized that my pain that I had to heal was so deep. I, you know, I didn't even know how to get to it. And I started learning about different healing modalities. Um, some of the biggest for me was um, my first was EFT, which is tapping on certain points. Yeah. And when I started doing uh, going to sound healing and breathwork classes, that's when I had some serious experiences happen that I couldn't explain. I had, you know, ancestral families come and sit with me. And, you know, I, my nanan appeared one time she was smoking pal mouths outside of the barn and, <laughs> and you know these these experiences that I was like okay I don't know how to even say what's happening to me right now but one of the messages that I received was as you heal yourself you're healing us hmm. you know so I realized that this journey that I was on was not just to heal a physical body wasn't just to create a life that I love it was so much bigger than that. So as I, I heal myself, I'm healing people that have been gone for generations, but I'm also healing my son and one day his, my grandkids and stuff like that. Everything's going to change because I've made so many changes in my life and I do it all based on the moon. Wow. So do you do like a specific ritual? Changes like depending on what 
where I am, if I have time and all of these things, what I always never fail doing is journaling and creating new moon intentions. So I'd look at my life one month at a time when I'm doing that. I know the big picture. I know where I want to go. But every month, what can I do this month that will get me closer to my goal? So I just keep it down to four short weeks and I create um, I what I call an intention contract. And I write everything out and I have affirmations I create for myself. And I just really focus on this is what I want. And then always on the full moon without fail, I always at least do some tarot spreads and get in touch with my energy compared to the energy of what's happening um, with the planets and such. Um, so those two things I always do. The waxing cycle, so when the the sky is dark and the moon grows in the sky, that's the waxing cycle. That's the hardest work for me. Well, maybe waxing and waiting, but the waxing cycle is evaluating myself. It's like, okay, so I've made these goals, you know, did I, I didn't even start them or, you know, what you were hard on ourselves. This didn't work out. At first, it was really hard for me to do as I was trying to change my own behaviors and my own habits. And now I, I can do it with such grace. You know, I look at myself and I'm like, okay, that didn't work out. And it doesn't slow me down at all. I'm like, okay, what can I learn right now? And it took me a while to get to this frame of mind. Without being overly critical of yes. yourself. Yes. Yeah. At first, I was definitely overly critical of myself, which I think we're all our own worst enemies when it comes to things like that. But now I just, it's just amazing how I, I can see something and I'm like, okay, maybe I'm going after the wrong intention. Maybe my goal is something that, you know, the universe is pulling me in this other direction. But I'm so open to all of the messages that I receive and the lessons that I receive. And during the full moon, I really kind of evaluate these things and figure out what do I need to let go? I want to welcome these things into my life, but I have to let something go in order for something new to come in. You know, letting go is such a hard concept, but at the same time, there's so many ways to let go. Maybe you need to forgive yourself. Maybe you need to forgive somebody else. Um, just showing compassion to someone. Maybe you, there's a person in your life that, you know, it's like, that's just not really healthy for me anymore. We're going in different directions and you have to admit it. You know, those kinds of things are very hard to do because we're creatures of habit. Even if we're in a situation that isn't healthy for us, we know what we have right now. And that's why a lot of people stay status quo because the unknown is scarier. Yeah, it is. And it sounds like what you're doing is you're kind of figuring out in a larger sense, what direction you really want to take your life ultimately, what really matters to you more than anything. But then also week by week, month by month, you know, addressing smaller goals as well, which is something that's really like a, it's like an organizational component of life that somehow gets missed because we're always busy going to jobs, trying to make a living, trying to get there, trying to get home, commuting, all that stuff. And then if you have kids on top of it, that's a huge responsibility. And I guess a huge distraction from just trying to figure out what direction you're going in. 
Yeah. So I think that um, maybe in this whole process of getting to know yourself better, you are making some sort of future manifest that was never possible in the past because you just couldn't like dedicate the time to imagining it maybe. Well, I was so busy hiding my grief hiding my depression. My my family, my stepmom, when she read my book, she was just like, I had no idea. You were you even depressed, you know? And I, you know, I became like a master at hiding things. Everyone's like, knows me as that go-getter. It's the time when I'm alone. That's when I would hide things. And, you know, really not even realizing that I was carrying, I lost my brother when I was young. And I had been carrying that my whole life. But you learn to manage your pain Mm -hmm. instead of learning to live, you know? So it's figuring out how to transition from one to the other where that was my journey. Yeah, that's really difficult, especially when you have like habits you have to get rid of too. Like drinking can be a huge, you know, you can really believe that you need to drink, to kind of relax or to just let go of things, but it's not really letting you let go of things. (laughs) Yeah. 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 And I'm happy to say, you know, I haven't had a cigarette in seven years. I've been sober, completely sober for three years now, I think. And um, yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's hard roads. It's big things that I've overcome in my life to get me to where I am now. But that's why a lot of people with my, my first book, Wild Moon Healing, it's hard work. You know, it's it's really looking at yourself, being vulnerable, but learning how to show yourself grace. And it's, you know, it, it's not easy, but it's it's a mix of mental health and spirituality, which I think is what makes it unique. No, I mean, I think spirituality is always somehow combined with mental health because it's taking care of the whole person. Spirituality is always taking care of the whole yeah. individual but is this attached to Wicca in some way, your lunar work? Because it almost sounds a little bit Wiccan to me, but I don't want to, you know, pigeonhole it or put it in yeah. a certain category that you're uncomfortable with. No, no, I'm not really familiar with Wiccan, but I know a lot of people see me as a witch and, um, you know, I grew up Baptist and all these different things. I'm like, it's just different adjectives people can use to describe me, however they perceive me. And um, nothing ever offends me, no matter what people people do say. Some people said, you're making your own religion. And I'm like, well, not really. <laughs> but, um, you know, if they, they don't understand the path that I'm on. And that's, that's okay. You know, they're, they're not meant to come with me, I guess. So. Yeah. It's hard to face kind of the criticism sometimes from family or friends, because I think everybody really wants to put you in a category. And that's why I brought this up because I would think your friends would, would go, oh yeah, she's into witchcraft. She's definitely Wiccan. But I like that people maintain some complexity about who they are and it doesn't have to be giving into just one philosophy or one group think mindset. You don't always have to like be a thing that people can quantify very easily and therefore write you off. Yeah. You know, yeah. in my next book, it comes out um, September 29th this month. It's called wild moon healing revolution. And I talk about being in a box, <laughs> you know, people have to 
when they can describe you as something that makes sense to them, then then you're in this little box and it makes sense. So I said, well, I guess I'll make my own box and you can call me a witchy Baptist. <laughs> you know, I know that's that may upset some people, but um, yeah, I'm definitely way more spiritual growing up in such a religious household. You know, my uncles were pastors and, and all of these things. That was one of the challenges in writing my book was what is everyone going to say? What are they going to think? And once I got past, you know, that doesn't matter, <laughs> then I was able to just move on. Well, I think it's kind of impossible to totally weed out what you were raised with anyway. Yeah. I was raised Christian and I still feel, I don't, I don't know that I believe in a masculine God so much. I think that that's really gotten on my nerves more and more as I've gotten older. So I've kind of rejected a lot of that. And I definitely took on like the reincarnation. I'm down with that very much an Eastern mentality with spirituality has governed much of my adult life. But I kind of feel that in some ways I have a reverence, slight reverence for Christianity. I do like going to Catholic churches and I was not Catholic. I was Protestant. Protestant churches don't interest me. I've done that tired of them too into proselytizing for me. The Catholic church always seemed a little bit more less prone to um, proselytizing. Maybe that's why I liked them more, at least with the Catholics I met. Yeah. I don't know. I I like rosaries. I inherited rosaries from my grandmother when she died. She was Catholic. She grew up Catholic. And so I was always kind of enamored with, you know, the, the stuff that makes you a Catholic. And I didn't really so much like the crucifix on the wall that I didn't like that, but the rosaries, I had many of them and I really liked them. So, and I liked the medallions, you know, like the saints, the saints, St. Christopher. I've said this many times. I always pray to St. Christopher before I take a drive because (laughs) yeah, I have them in my car. (laughs) I've had, I've had some accidents that really have pushed me in that direction. So yeah, yeah, I mean, St. Christopher, I I totally, even though I'm not Catholic, I would acknowledge him and I sometimes feel like he's helping me. So, you know, I feel like you never get rid of all of that stuff that you were raised with. Yeah. Well, right now we're every age we've ever been and every experience we've ever had, that's what got us to this point. And so with religion being part of our youth, you know, it's it's natural that it's still there, part of our adulthood, because we were subjected to it. So, right, and subjected to it doesn't sound good. <laughs> yeah, that's true. That's sometimes <laughs> it was like a brainwashing. Yeah, I would say, but also there were some good things that happened too. You know, so I yeah. mean, I just remember like being able to sing and in church sometimes that was kind of fun, but. I mean, you, you take the best of it that you can with you and you leave the rest behind. Yeah. Yeah. My, cause my experience was very mechanical. You know, you, you say these prayers that all the words are already there. You just have to memorize these prayers and you got to say it before you go to bed, before you eat, but it was just so mechanical. There wasn't any feeling in the words. And I think that's why I was able to kind of get away from it. It's like, well, I need to figure out what feels, you know, I want to feel something. So, you know, I, I still, I pray all the time. Uh, I'll go to church every once in a while, but you know, I don't actually belong to any church or anything right now, but I don't know that a church, if they, if they had to interview to become a, a member, if they would understand my moon work. <laughs> <laughs> 
probably not. Yeah, probably not. But yeah, you know, it's, it's a part of, it's a part of me, just like my, my moon work is a part of me. And I don't see that it makes me this kind of a person or that kind of a person. But um, some people, they just, they know what they know. That's why boxes are a thing. People have to put you in something so that they know, make it more comfortable for them, I guess. And you're not going to tell them different either, because if you try to say, no, that it's not what you think, then they're going to be like, oh, come on. Yeah. You know? <laughs> they always know better. I mean, mm-hmm. I've, I've experienced this with certain older friends of mine. You know, it's like, they're always going to tell me what I am. And I'm like, okay, you, you think whatever you want. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, you know, part of moon work is being able to say, I'm all these things and it's being okay with it. You know, when you have judgment from others, it's really hard to work on yourself. That's one of the, I think that's one of the hardest parts of moon work and becoming authentic and learning what your truth is, is because their judgments sometimes become our own judgments. And it's working through all of that stuff and figuring out, well, what do I really need to change? What do I, what can I keep? What's, you know, as far as what's me versus what am I compared to what people say? Right. And it's it's really, it's a complex thing. It really is. It is. And I feel like it's hard to kind of go your own path. You know, your, your friends are thinking you're creating your own religion. Well, everybody creates their own religion, actually. I don't think that in the history of spirituality or religion that people avoided that. I mean, I what I've read is that like in Mexico, the indigenous people kind of kept their own spiritual beliefs and then they paired it with Catholicism. They didn't just swing over to Catholicism and and be totally down with that. Everything was paired up and everything was like a hybrid. So, you know, that's what we all do. And I think people just don't realize it maybe. that uh, Even people that go to church, they probably don't realize that maybe they have some notions that aren't necessarily in line with the church that they're sitting in. Yeah. Yeah. But it's either that or groupthink where they have that whole mentality that they all have to hang on to for some reason, semblance of belonging or something. Yeah. I've, I've never been much of a joiner. I think that's why church always irritated me really is people kind of going along with each other But I think if you interviewed people separately outside of church, I bet they would admit that their views differ from some of the people at the church, you know? Yeah. So who do you believe is supporting you on the spirit side? Oh, there's so many, you know, I, um, Mm -hmm. I don't have like an animal spirit that's come to me, but you know, I believe in God, my idea of God is different, but I believe in God, universe, ancestors, angels, There's just so much. And I I believe um, when I wrote my book, I had tore my Achilles. So I was physically unable to walk when I started to write my book. And I believe the universe was like, okay, we need to stop her. She needs to write this book. But how do we do this Uh, so that she can still write? (laughs) And (laughs) boom, I I tore my Achilles. So I needed surgery for that. And then I was made immobile. And I, I believe that was the universe looking out for me saying, okay, now's the time you're ready to write this book. You know, so it wasn't much else to do with a a torn Achilles. So (laughs) did you feel like you got kind of support through dreams or meditations, you know, because it's kind of a, 
it's an undertaking to write a book, especially if you haven't had a lifelong career as being an author. Yeah. You know, it's hard to actually get something finished. Did you feel like on the spirit side, you were getting support to do that? Yes, definitely. Some of the stuff I wrote, like in my new book too, I talk about the divination of numbers. I don't even know where that came from. (laughs) I honestly Mm -hmm. couldn't even tell you. But some of the things as I was going through and writing and um, what I call expanders, people that I attracted during the process of writing my first book were so helpful. And I learned so much so that on my on my journey with my second book, I didn't need all that input because I had learned so much the first time around, you know, so I didn't have to pay for someone to really go through my book like I did with the first one with a developmental edit. And, you know, I didn't even realize how many edits there were with the book Oh yeah. <laughs> when I started the process, you know, I, I had no idea what I was doing, but um, definitely was guided, definitely was supported spiritually and with my friends. Yeah. 100%. Yeah, that's great. It's great to have um, a circle of friends too that are cheering you on and kind of motivating you. Yeah. So let's get into what you do with other people a little bit. You seem to be into Reiki as well and, you know, trying to give people, I think you said a sound massage at times. And what other things do you use besides Reiki and sound? Yeah, well, I'm a, a coach and I'm calling myself an energy coach because the whole purpose of coaching is to raise your energetic vibration. And there's so many somatic healing ways to accomplish that. So I add, um, I'm a certified sound healer, uh, work with breath work practitioner. Um, I've always done energy work, but just recently I started undertaking becoming um, Reiki master. I'm on that journey. Because I I discovered a lot of people, when I say energy work, they're not really sure, but they seem to be more comfortable with Reiki these days. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You know, when I do like um, a sound massage, it's my Tibetan bowls. You can put them on people as they lay on the table. Um, You can do it above them, but that sound just resonates through them. One thing I haven't done, but I'm working towards is... When I do meditations, I'm more of a visual person. So I bring people to some place in nature for a purpose, right? Then I'll leave them there for the sound bath and then I'll come back and pull them out of the meditation. What I want to do is bring them into meditation, work on some serious breath work, then go into a sound healing and then bring them out of the meditation all in one swoop. But um, Mm -hmm. I haven't done that with an actual class yet, but. I'm working yeah, on that. That sounds good. It sounds like you have a process and it sounds like it would have a bigger impact on people than doing just one of those things. Yeah. And when it's an individual session, it's like, how do you want to spend your hour? This is your hour. What do you want to do? You know, we always talk a little bit at first, even if it's just five minutes, just to see if they have any tension in their shoulders or whatever it is they want. Then I can do energy work, Reiki, sounds and breath all with them in that one session. And do you feel like people have to do a lot of sessions or is it kind of helping them just to have a couple of sessions even? I say if you stick around too long, then I might not be doing my job right. (laughs) You know, a lot of people, they have up their own barriers as far as they need to break through them to, to move forward. But 
when you really get into somatic healing, meditation and sound, it really helps break through barriers that you didn't even weren't even conscious of. That's what I love about it. It's um, you know, like talk therapy. If you go to a therapist, it has its place, but you don't have to talk about your trauma to move through it with a lot of these somatic type healing modalities that I do in in my coaching. Actually, I had never really thought of that that that's kind of the difference is you don't have to like go on and on and on about something bad that happened to you and relive all of the trauma and the sadness. Yeah, it's it's what I do is centered around you. And there's obviously things that you've experienced and stuff. Some people have more things to work through. All in all, I say that, uh, you know, you don't really need a lot of if someone is I've never had a client for an entire year, <laughs> but, um, and that's what I say. If, if they come for a couple times and then move on, you know, I always try to keep in touch with them, follow up with some emails and such, but it's trying to get you to do all these things in your own life, you know? So coaching is, uh, I see it as a short term. Right. It helps you to overcome something. Now you might have to come back one day because there's something new to overcome. But when you're working on certain things, um, I, I am working on some um, workshops, but in my goal is 2025 to launch my group online coaching program. And it'll be a three month program that follows lunar cycles because that's what I, when people are with me, I give them worksheets and stuff to work on this for this lunar cycle. And you have to figure out what's right for you because in your daily practice, if you hate writing and you're trying to create a journaling habit, well, it's probably going to be really hard for you if you don't like to write. You know, there's so many ways to express yourself. You can write it, draw it, cook it, and it's finding what's your truth and how to express yourself and then creating daily um, practices around that. But in sync with the, the lunar cycles and such too. So with the lunar cycles, you're always going after your goal. That never stops. It's the spiritual side where you're like, okay, let me look at what just happened here. And it's learning how to do things like that. And as people start to do that on their own, then they don't really need to continue coming to coaching. Yeah, I think that's great. I think it's more ethical in a way that you graduate people. Yeah. You know, you don't get them dependent on you, like coming back year after year doing the same thing, but you graduate them and you, you give them like a direction for their own path to develop their own spirituality. Yeah. And they can certainly come for Reiki anytime and stuff, but the coaching, you know, it's, and with what, with teaching them, just looking at just these four weeks, this is it. This is all we're looking at. We're not looking at the whole life here. And it's more manageable when people really start sinking in with the lunar cycles. And, you know, some of them are like, man, that full moon came. And I was like, oh, I'm, <laughs> I didn't, didn't do what I wanted to do. But it, I'm like, well, you're thinking and you're conscious of it because that moon is the reminder. You know, when you see a full moon and it's like, oh, well, I didn't do the last two weeks what I thought I was going to do. <laughs> it's, um, so it's supposed to culminate with the fullness of the moon. Basically, everything you're putting into your journal or your vision board is culminating with the full moon. Yeah. So what you've been working on up from the new moon to the full moon, the full moon helps illuminate. It helps you learn. It helps to see what your barriers are and uh, things like that. Yeah, that's cool. I'll have to try it myself. We talked beforehand and I told you I missed the blue moon really 
I was kind of busy that night and I, I'm just kicking myself over that because people were telling me, oh, it was so beautiful. You should have gone out to see it. Did you have any impressions during the blue moon yourself? No, for, for me personally, and the changes that I see coming up with how my year is going to end, um, you know, I have surgery coming up next month and I had um, a lot of release with some fears that happened personally. And that's kind of going through like this whole weekend. I've been doing things to help me release. I added some things on my vision board. I do a vision board every year and um, I pulled them all out last night because I was like, I released my fear, I released my fear. And I was writing it on my vision board for 2023. And when I pulled out um, the last couple of years, I was like amazed at all these things that have happened. And I was like, oh. You know, when you do these um, vision boards, a lot of people, they never look at them again. They throw them away. But if you (laughs) actually pull them out from time to time and change things, then you can see. um, One time I had a picture of a blonde lady and a dark-haired lady. They were animated, but they were cooking. And no idea when I put that on there. I couldn't tell you now what I was thinking at the time. But what manifested was my friend Robin and I started meal prepping together. She's blonde. And and when I went to the vision board and I took a picture and I sent it to her and I said, oh, my gosh, I did this eight months ago. This is us. Wow. (laughs) And she was like, oh, my gosh, this is crazy. But um, so, yeah, so what you work on in the full moon, you know, whatever tools you're using, if it is a vision board, you should pull it out at every full moon and assess, you know, it, it's it's an assessment tool is the way I look at it. You know, the beginning of the year, you made all these things that you want to accomplish this year or next year. And how close are you? Yeah, that's um, such a good tool because I think we're not even putting ourselves in the position to congratulate any successes, however small, if you don't keep track of things, right? (laughs) Because you forget sometimes about Mm -hmm. the things that you've done or intended to do or whatever. And yeah, that's a great tool. Yeah. And like we're in Virgo now, because when you look at the moon, it's based on zodiac signs as far as the energy of the moon. So you have a sun season, but then you also have a new moon energy and a full moon energy all with the same sign. So when we go into Libra at the end of this month, that's like the halfway point for the lunar year because the moon works with nature. So the spring equinox is what I call my beginning of the year. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And that's when I I really make my whole New Year's resolutions and things like that. And so when you're looking at yourself, um, the end of this month into October, that's your halfway point. All the seeds that you metaphorical seeds that you planted around spring that you wanted to accomplish. Let's look at yourself where you know, what did you, what did you accomplish? What did, what did you learn about yourself that you can now bring into the collective? Because the Aries energy is the beginning of the year. That's more about me and learning about what makes me tick. And then Libra energy is more about the collective society. So it's like, how can I bring me into the we, right? The collective we and things that you've been working on for the last six months, any moon that you look at, if you look back six months, that's a good point to see what, um, because you have sister signs, right? So every polar opposite is six months apart. Do you ever look at aspects of the moon with your own moon sign? 
I have an astrologer that I go to and I saw her recently. Kim is amazing because she pulls up all the planets, you know, when you were born, this is what it was. And my birthday coming up, I'm a Libra. All of the planets are going to be in the same exact position almost. You know, it's like she was like freaking out going, oh, my mm -hmm. gosh, look at all this stuff. You know, from when it comes to astrology, I know enough to follow the moon and stuff. But um, if anybody wanted to really get into their astrology, I would refer them, <laughs> refer them out. Yeah, it's pretty technical. Yeah. It can get pretty complicated with all of the um, aspects and you know, I, I don't pay as much attention to astrology, but I have in the past kind of delved into it. And I do like the natal chart as a snapshot of who you are and where you're going. I think that kind of is very useful for people. It is. Yeah. And if you have a good reader, all the more so, because if you have to figure it out yourself, it's going to take a while. Yeah, I do consult my cards often, not just at the newer full moon. You know, I I actually, I always have a pendulum on me too. And people see me at a store and I'm like, should I buy this? <laughs> I would pull a pendulum out in the middle of anywhere to see if I can get clarification on something if I need it. You know, there's so much of a mixed mind about pendulum use because I, it seems like I was just having a conversation with somebody. I don't know if it was the last podcast or the one before that where they felt like the pendulum is very much prone to taking on your own intentions, that you're influencing it. So I don't know what to think about it. I have used pendulums. And I, I what I really like to do with pendulums is pendle the chakras yeah, to see how they're, how they're moving. Yeah, um, I did that on my cat a lot when I had a cat. Um, it was kind of interesting. Like I had two cats for a while. This was some years back. Nowadays, I have birds, but one of them had kind of like not as much, not as strong of a movement in some of the chakras that the other one had. And the one that lived the longest, uh, she was, she had like a big crown chakra. Wow. And she was a very gentle creature. She was a very sweet, gentle, wonderful little cat. And I miss her a lot, actually. But it was interesting to see how, like, the differences between the two of them. And I feel like that's how pendulums can be really interesting. Uh, you know, just, yeah. it's hard to pendle yourself though. It's very hard to lay down and like hold it in the right position. You can print a, a picture of a body that has the chakra alignment, just print them on a regular sheet of paper and hold it over the paper with the intention that you're reading your own, like maybe put your hand on the chakras as you go. That's how I do it for myself. And I have like a little Reiki doll and I'll hold it over them knowing that it's I'm looking at my own stuff. Like a little voodoo doll. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. My my interpretation of the energy that makes a pendulum swing is my higher self. You know, it's like my my soul knows why it came here. And if I'm doing something against it, you know, it'll be like, nope, stop doing this. Um, that's that's the way I, I see it. So it is my energy that's reading it, but I believe it's on the soul level that's making it swing, not the conscious level. I don't know. Everybody has a different idea about these things. And yeah. I try not to get too dependent on little tools like that because I used to use the pendulum quite a bit. And then I thought, wait a minute, I got to distance myself from this because really if I if I kind of clear my thoughts, I tend to get 
you know, the answer. Yeah. yeah. I tend to get the answer, but I mean, you have to get rid of the nervousness and especially when you're having, I find when you have like a health issue or something emotional that makes you kind of like, Oh no, you've got to somehow, if you can just like get out of that nervous state, you can get good answers. You can get good feedback but it's hard to do that. Yeah. And learning about the chakras too. Like if you constantly have lower back pain, it could be, are you having financial issues? Maybe if that's where you focus, you realize your lower back starts to feel better, different things like that. So when you look at the chakras and what organs are near each chakra too, kind of helps you to say, what, what should I work on? Because I have this pain in my gut, you know, what, what do I need to do? you know, look at the chakras that are down that way. And maybe you need to really work on rooting yourself and grounding yourself. Absolutely. Yeah. I was just the last guy I know it was the two weeks ago, I talked to somebody and they were talking about how we repress emotion kind of in the gut area. You know, that's probably like slowing down the chakras and maybe even reversing them for some people. But there's so much um, stress carried in the gut. His opinion was, this is um, metaphysical shop owner, David Guerin. His, his opinion of this was that he thought people were texting so much nowadays and they're not understanding what the other person intends yeah. with the text communication because there's no facial cues. There's no um, voice that you're listening to. So people tend to get nervous a lot about text communication and they tend to repress it and hold it in their gut and it gives them like an upset stomach and, and just issues. Yeah. A lot of anxiety gets yeah. held down there. I think emotions period, if you don't release it, you don't let it out. I believe it's goes into every muscle, tendon, fascia, everything in your body below the neck holds it. And that's why one of the things I love about somatic healing, breathwork especially, stuff comes up. You get emotional. I do. A lot of people, some people escape it without crying or anything, but things come up and people are like, I don't even know what happened. And I'm like, well, that's the great thing is you don't have to know what you just released, but you're letting it go. Yeah. You know, and it's, and all of a sudden you say, oh, wow, you know, my arm isn't hurting so bad after that session, you know. Well, that's for whatever you release. Maybe that's where that was trapped. I've definitely felt that with massage too. You know, like if they touch you in a certain place, like I always carry stress in my shoulders and stuff. Yeah. And I would get like knots in my shoulders or in the back of my neck from like hunching and stressing out. And sometimes when a, a massage therapist would touch certain areas, I'd be like, oh, <laughs> it's like something yeah. bubbles up and you're like, Oh no, you know, it's something negative, you know, that you're, they're working out for you. Yeah, most definitely. Yeah. Well, do you have more books planned? I mean, you've got one yeah. coming out and you've got one that's already out. So what does it look like being an author in the future for you? <laughs> oh, well, I'm officially calling it Wild Moon Healing book series. So I have Wild Moon Healing, Wild Moon Healing Revolution comes out at the end of this month. I'm working on an Oracle deck to go along with it. It'll work with your own personal energy and help you to whatever it is you need to do, if it's releasing or or whatever, the, the deck is going to be very, very helpful in certain situations like that. I'm working on a journal, but it will be a calendar 
based on nature instead of the calendar year. So any program that I do, like when I launch my coaching program in 2025, it's going to start with the spring equinox, you know, and it, cause that's just when the energy is really starting for the lunar year, you know, and I'll probably do like three month things, do three month cycles with people to, to learn and get them into changing some habits and stuff. But um, yeah, so I have, I have those things. I have a third book that I'm already mentally drafting up in my head, but I can't write it because it hasn't finished yet in my life. <laughs> but yeah, there's definitely a third book out there too. Oh, that's great. Yeah. Well, thanks so much for coming on and sharing all of this. And we'll put a link to your website in the show notes for this episode so people can pick up the book you already have out and the book that's about to be released. Yes. And, you know, they can also inquire about your coaching and your classes. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I don't have anything online about the classes right now. I took it down because of my back surgery, but that'll be back up. How long do you think you'll have to take to heal from that? A month or so? I've heard people saying they were back to work at six weeks. Some people took the whole 12 weeks off, but you know, so I don't know what to expect. (laughs) Yeah, that's a big deal. You'll have to just kind of take it easy. Yes. Well, thank you so much for having me. Blessed listener, please leave your questions or comments for this episode or any other episode at disembodiedpodcast.com. We appreciate you.